I usually start with something funny, so I'll tell you a, a story about a very wealthy man. He was dying, and he told his wife, he said, Honey, he said, I want, I want my entire net worth, everything that I have, I want it to be buried with me. After all, I worked for it, I earned it, and I want you to bury it in the casket with me. She was a little taken aback by it, but ultimately it was his wishes and she felt like it was her job to see to it that his last wishes were accomplished. So a couple weeks after this, he died. She went to the, she went to the funeral. She had a box with her on her lap and they, everyone went by to say their final goodbyes to her. And, uh, and uh, then uh, she was sitting next to her best friend. And at the last minute, she went up with this box and she put it in the casket. And her best friend said, what are you doing? She said, well, he requested that his whole net worth be buried with him. And so that's what I'm doing. And the friend couldn't believe it. You put his entire net worth in this box? And she said, he's made a lot of money. Why is it such a small box? And she said, well, actually, I wrote him a check. It'll dawn on you later, okay? You can't cash it where he's going, all right? (laughs) That's a good segue into what we are talking about today in the book of James, because we are talking today, we're going through the book of James. This is the second to last lesson in the book of James, and I'm excited next week, Robert Pedler is going to be bringing the last one. No pressure, but the last is always the best. All right, no pressure, Robert, all right? Game on next Sunday. So this will be the second best, all right? The topic James deals with today is one of the most important topics, I think, for our culture today. In fact, if I could show you a way that you could live a blessed life, that you could live a life with purpose and meaning, James is going to show us how to do it today. And we're looking at James chapter 5, and I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 through 6. And I know that you've stood some today. But in honor of the reading of God's word, if you wouldn't mind standing one more time, we're going to read James 1, 5, 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because, by the way, James is hard hitting, fasten your seatbelts. This is not going to be, this is not going to be easy reading, okay? Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Your corro- uh, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. The waitresses that you failed to tip. Come on now. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Today we're going to talk about the life that God blesses. The life that God rewards. You may be seated. 
Now, some of you got real relieved when I read the first part because I said, you rich people. And when I said, you rich people, you said, okay, I get to turn this off because I'm not rich. In fact, I'm broke. And and, and we always think those other people are rich, don't we? Those people in West Knoxville where the Blevins live, you know what I'm saying. Those Farragutians, you know, uh, uh, those, 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 you know, we're just over here in North, I'm more Knoxville Center Mall. I'm not like West Town Mall, if you know what I'm saying. How many know what I'm talking, how many know Carm is my favorite store to shop at? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, 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 but before you get too comfortable that you are excluded, you need to know this. Three quarters of the earth's population live on $300 a year. Three quarters of the world's population live on $300 a year. How many know that you, when you woke up in this country, if you're making an income, you're blessed, amen? Amen. We're blessed, amen. We are blessed beyond measure. We are rich. We talk about being proud to be an American. Let's face it, we didn't have anything to do with it, most of us. We were just blessed to be born in a place where we had this kind of opportunity. We live in a place where if you work hard, you should be able to provide for all your needs. Hear me closely, though. For a capitalistic, and we're a capitalistic society, for a capitalistic society to work, Its people must be generous. You can write that down. If a capitalistic... Let me just tell you something. Capitalism without generosity or capitalism without Jesus degenerates into greed. The former Soviet Union tried to bring in capitalism and they tried to put on capitalism on top of atheism. Capitalism and atheism don't work together. If there is not an ethic of generosity, it does not work. America was based on generosity. The French gave us a statue we know as the Statue of Liberty, and and the words that are penned at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty where people came in from to Ellis Island from countries all over the world, very few of us, maybe Judy, Judy, who we prayed for, she may be the, the only true American here because she's African. No, she's not African. She is Native American. Uh, she's Native American. But if you're not Native American, most of us, our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles, came over from some other country. I'm from Sweden. Turn to your neighbor and tell them where your heritage is from. Tell them where you came from. Go ahead, tell them where you came from. But, but we're here. We're here. We, we're here. The life that God rewards. I want to take three attitudes based on what we just read. I'm not going to preach long this morning, but just if, if you have your worship guide this, today, there's a place where you can fill in these blanks. Attitudes of a giving life. By the way, the, the, the life that God rewards is a giving life. A life that is bad. I'm going to give you the bottom line. If you want to know the life that God rewards, it's God rewards people who give. 
attitudes of a giving life. One, they don't hoard it greedily, but they steward it wisely. Now, we don't use the word stewardship much in our, much in our culture. So next to the word steward, write in the word manage. They manage it wisely. They don't hoard it. How many have seen those stores hoarders? Oh, isn't it awful to watch the uh, watch hoarders? Oh, I can't even look. It's hard to look at those at those houses. I can't I can't usually get through a whole show watching these people that are hoarding things. It's now an actual diagnosis. People that have this problem of. Hoarding things and keeping... You know what one of the biggest businesses in America today is? Storage units, right? Storage units because we don't have enough places for all of our stuff. So we have to buy places to put our stuff that we don't, we don't use. And occasionally they'll sell these storage units. People don't even know what they have in them. And they find treasures in these storage units because they are filled with treasures and we uh, are guilty of hoarding. But you know what You know what the psychologists are saying that one of the side effects of hoarding is? Is isolation. Greedy people are ultimately isolated. They're lonely people. Uh, they, they, they live their lives uh, in, in isolation. One of the most important decisions that you can make, hear me, what I'm getting ready to say could change the tenor of our church and of your life if you'd let it. One of the most important principles about money that I could share with you is that we do not own anything. It all belongs to God. I don't own anything. Some people think 10% of their income belongs to God. That's not true. Everything that we have belongs to God. We, we don't, without God, we couldn't do anything. We have no ability to, to earn anything. At one time I was taking a class, a stewardship class, and I literally signed over everything I have. I signed over my, my goods and everything. I, I deeded it all over to God, and I just said in writing what I knew was true, and that God owns it all. And so if God owns it all, it means that my job is not an owner, but I am a manager of what he has given me. It's my job to manage what God has given me. And so when we talk about stewardship in the church, or if we talk about giving in the church, what we're really talking about is how we manage our money. One of the most important management decisions that you can make And for some of you, if you're a guest here, this will sound like I'm from Mars or whatever. But I promise you, I'm telling you something that if if people would do this, it would turn your finances around. It could turn your and it could really turn the church around. And that is to give the first ten percent of your income back to God through your local church. To give the first, and don't, don't shout me down with amens, it's getting crazy in here. You all are so excited when I said that, right? To give the first 10% of your income back, and it's not because 10% belongs to him, but 10% represents the whole. And so when we give him the first, what we're saying to God is you own it all, and so I'm going to bring the first. And so in the Old Testament, they would bring the first of their crops. I noticed somebody brought cucumbers this morning to church, giving them away. They're given the first of their crop. They brought the first of their animals. The, the principle is you gave the first, the fairest, the fattest, and the finest. 
You gave God your very best. And the principle there is if I would put God first, and if I would give Him my best, then God would make sure that I was blessed and I was taken care of. Now, if you live your life on a a, a non-spiritual plane, that won't make sense to you. But if you live yourself, if you live your life on a spiritual plane, you cannot out-give God. And if you will put God first in your giving, you will find yourself blessed more than you can even imagine. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. I'm going to write that down. All right. Why why should you consider doing that? Number one, I'm going to share with you three things. This is not in your notes. You can write it in the side if you want. Number one is because I think Knoxville needs a church like ours. I think Knoxville needs a church where it doesn't matter what label you wear or what background you've come from or what sin you have committed or what your history has been or your denominational affiliation, you can come in this place without judgment and and we're going to just love people, period. It's not our job to change people. We try to get people in an environment where God can change them and we get them in a place and God can do the work. I believe Knoxville needs churches like our church. I really do. And let me just say this. By the way, there's no invisible. Sometimes we think they will do it. Well, that rich guy, he'll take care of all the bills of the church, and I'm just going to be a a spectator. Can I just say, there is no they. We are they. If it is to be, it is up to me. Each one of us have our role and each one of us have our part in making this place great. Amen. And Knoxville needs a place like us. Another reason that you should consider doing that is because the gospel is being spread around the world as a result of this. Not only is the gospel being declared in Knoxville, But our church is a major part of planting churches all over this country, just like ours. And our church is a part of ministries all over the world in places we call the 1040 window, where well over 90% of the people have never heard the name of Jesus. We are consistently and regularly giving to ministries that are sharing the gospel all over the world. And so one of the things that we practice here at the church is not only do we ask people to consider giving the first of yours, we also give 10% back so that it goes outside of us so that the gospel can be spread around the world. But the last thing is so that your life will be blessed. The last reason that you should consider doing it is for selfish reasons. The scripture says if you'll bring the tithe, which is the first 10% of your income, into my uh, into the storehouse that my house may be feel may be full he says test me in this he says try it just try it see if it'll work and see if i don't open up heaven itself and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams see if god won't do things beyond your wildest dreams don't know i understand that not everyone can give if you're not, if you don't have a job you don't need to be given but i'm just saying if you've been blessed if god's given you those kind of resources if you are in a position of being a manager you need to consider that in fact he says that if not we're under a curse it seems like there's holes in our pocket that, that, that there's more month than there is money when Melanie and I were in seminary, we had a two, 
we had a, not a two-bedroom apartment, a two-room apartment. We had a living room and a bedroom. The living room doubled as a kitchen. The bedroom doubled as a bathroom. And it was as, as poor as we ever were. And, and somehow, our giving record just got discovered this week. Of all people, Ben, my son-in-law, was going through his stuff and found our giving record from while we were in while we were in seminary, and we looked back at that, and the amount was very small. Our income was very small at the time. But I remember the time when I had a buddy that asked me if I would be in his wedding, and he was in Colorado, and we were in seminary, and we were as poor as church mice, and uh, we couldn't afford anything, and, and it was like $700 to do the round-trip air flight to get the tuxedo, to stay in the lodging and all of that. Um, I, did, I was too embarrassed to tell my friend no, so I told him yes by faith that I would be in his wedding, and uh, I went and sold blood. Uh, you ever done that? You ever been so poor you sold blood? How many know what I'm talking about? They will buy your blood. They will. You can sell the plasma of your blood. I went and sold plasma. We went out and sold Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, you, could do, uh, you could do fundraisers where you could get Krispy Kreme. We stood out on the street, and I'm a pretty good salesman. I couldn't sell a donut. I could not sell. Nobody would buy. I finally gave the donuts away to people. Hard to do that. And, and, but we were faithfully given to the Lord. And, and I remember a Sunday night, we showed up to church. My pastor knew nothing about it. He said, Phil and Melanie have just been faithful part of our church. I don't know why, but I just feel led to give them an offering uh, tonight. The offering came in, it was $700. It was the exact amount that we needed uh, to go on that trip. Everything was provided. I don't know how God does that. I don't know how it works. But, but God has a way of taking care of us uh, through difficult times. And so we need to manage it wisely. Live within your budget. Can I, can I just say, if you are on, uh, you know, if, if you are on a uh, ramen noodles budget, don't be eating caviar. You know what I'm saying? I, I was at work the other day and, uh, and, uh, I was, uh, uh, somebody was, was, uh, buying, uh, I sell vacations for those and they were buying, but they had to go to Walmart to pick up, uh, somebody was wiring them money for the down payment. So the, the manager suggested, just Phil, you just take them over to Walmart. Take them over to Walmart in your car. You're an Uber driver. And, uh, so I said, yeah, I'll take you in my car. I drive a Prius. And they said, okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll take our own car. And, and, and we had fun with it. I don't drive a muscle car, you know. I drive a Prius. People laugh at me for driving a Prius, but, but I laugh when I go to the gas station and I only put 20 bucks in, and then I see you next month at the gas station. You know what I mean? I get 500 miles on that Prius, you know. But, but if you're on a Prius budget, you know, they were driving a Dodge Durango. Don't drive the Dodge Durango when you're on the Prius budget. And, and some of you are on a Dodge Durango budget, and that's okay. I don't, I don't fault you for having a Dodge Durango. But I'm just saying, manage what you have wisely. Live within your means. Amen? That's good preaching. All right. The next thing is don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. And, and really, he's talking in the Scripture here to employers who are teach, treating their employees unfairly. Be honest with the people who work for you. Don't mistreat them. Treat people fairly. Can I just say, treat the, treat the waiters and waitresses a generous. Treat your Uber driver good. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you, need, to, you need to take care of those people who take care of you. And, and we need to be generous, right? There needs to be a spirit of generosity. 
And then the last thing is don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. God gave us what we have to share. My dad has a kidney transplant. Uh, he, he has a kidney because of the generosity, first of his mother, whose kidney lasted 15 years, and now his brother, whose kidney has lasted for, I don't know, almost 30 years, I guess, because we were married 30 years right after my marriage. Uh, about 30 years. He's 77 years old on, on a borrowed kidney. And a doctor one time said, God gave us two kidneys so we could give one away. God gave us more, but, but he gives us more than we needed so that we can be generous. There is nothing wrong. The scripture is very clear on this because the scripture talks about wealthy people who are blessed. There is nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when possessions have you. There's nothing wrong with owning possessions, but when possessions own you, that's when it becomes a problem. Luke 12, 15 said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your identity is not in the car that you drive. Your identity is not in the neighborhood that you live in. Your identity is not in keeping up with the Joneses. Your identity is in who you are because you have been bought with a price, because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's my identity. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 20. And by the way, Judy Bagwell she demonstrates this well. She had, uh, God's given her a beautiful home, but she shares with it. Her house is our house. And uh, more people have been to her house and eaten her food and swam in her swimming pool. And she shares it, that spirit of generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another man withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Others, others, others. A generous man will prosper. Now, James 5, 7 through 12, these are the last scriptures we're going to deal with. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. So we talked about the attitudes of a giver. Now we're going to talk about the actions of a giving life. Number one, be patient. In light of God's return, in light of what God has given you, if you are patient, if you are patient, then you can be clear on what your future is to be all about. Can I just say this? He says something about the coming of the Lord. How many believe that we're living in the last days? Amen. I can just say unequivocally we are living in the last days. And the reason I can say that is because the technical definition of the last days is the time between Jesus ascended into heaven until he returns again. That space of time is called the last days. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know if we're right here. 
We don't know where we're in that whole uh, dichotomy, but we are living in the last days. In other words, we believe that, 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 that Jesus could come at any time. We don't know when, we don't know the day, nor even the hour, but we are living in the last days. And as a result of living in the last days, we need to be patient. Be patient. The second thing he says is persevere. If you are going to live the life that God rewards, perseverance has almost understood in it difficult times. No one talks about persevering through prosperity. I can't stand it, but I'm just being blessed beyond goodness right right now. No. Perseverance means that you stick it out when you don't feel like sticking it out. Perseverance means you hang in there. When the going get tough, the tough get going. You know what I'm saying? Perseverance means that, that, that I'm going to be there in good times and in bad times. Every marriage is made of perseverance. Because everyone up, but my, my wife and I have a different marriage than everyone else. Every day is a holiday and every meal is a feast with me and Melanie. But some of you all I know have marriages that have ups and downs. Not mine, but yours do. I'm just kidding. All right. Some of you are looking at me like, seriously? You think you're getting away with that? No. Every marriage, right? Every honest married person would say, that unless you're on your honeymoon, that you're going to have to persevere through good times and through bad. And that's why we say the things that we say at a marriage, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, right? Perseverance. And then he says, be consistent. Be consistent. And so one of the things that, that, that you, you, you've, you've landed in a church today that we're just stubbornly consistent. And, and we pray every August, 21 days of prayer. We pray every January, 21 days of prayer. We, we have weekend services. We do small groups. We do Discover Life. We do Orange Team. It, it kind of sounds boring after a while because we just keep saying it over and over. It's consistent. We're just planting Dan. And can I just tell you, not every season has been great at Life Church. There's been seasons when we've been up and seasons when we've been down, but we have been persevering. And can I just say, I'm really excited that I really believe that perseverance and consistency and patience is paying off at Life Church. This is the summertime, and if you know anything about summertimes at church, churches go through something called the summer slump. The summer slump. The summer slump means people are on vacation, they're just, uh, they're just out in the Smoky Mountains, they're, they're fishing, they're, they're on the lake, they're doing everything but coming to church. Can I just tell you that our attendances this summer are better than in the winter and in the spring and in last fall. God's doing something as a result of consistency, faithfulness, perseverance, and I'm excited about it. Amen? And so today I have a major announcement to make that I'm really excited about because of the growth. And, and by the way, churches tend to grow in the fall. And if we grow in the fall, we ain't got no room for y'all, all right? And so, uh, and so if we grow again in the fall, we're not going to have room. So we've been planning and making preparations. And on September 11th, we are announcing two worship services. Amen. Yeah. And uh, so um, we are going to have our first service at 9 a.m. For all of those that like to get up early and go for breakfast after church. 
And then uh, at 10.45, we are going to have our second service. And I'm real excited about it. Talking about that over the next six weeks, getting ready for that. But let me just tell you, it's not because we did some big push. It's not because of some big marketing campaign that we've done. But it's just been consistency, perseverance, just patience. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And let me just tell you something. If you just keep being faithful in your life, you just watch. You'll go through some bad times. You'll go through some tough times. But just hang in there when you don't feel like hanging in there. And watch God do great things. Amen. Amen. He will. He will. And then finally, show compassion. Show compassion. When you have an opportunity to to, to give to those in need, give to people who are in need. Let me just give you a little tip of something that somebody told me about that I've been doing for the last few few years. Uh, There's a website, if you want to write it down, it's called kiva.org, K-I-V-A dot org. And what it is, it's a website um, where you can lend money to poor people all over the world. And when I say lend money, you're not, this is not an investment. You get no interest back. And the, the money that you loan is $25. They're $25 loans. And so you make $25 loans and you can find out about these people all over the world. And they are, there are little banks all over the world that are screening these people and, and, and connecting you with investing in these people. And you make a $25 loan and it takes them like 20 months often to pay you back $25. And if you want to, you can take the $25 back and go buy yourself a pizza or you can reinvest it into someone else. And so what I've been doing is just, just doing that and, uh, um, so I just looked at this morning, uh, uh, I've, I've lent money to, to uh, four different countries, but you can do it to countries all over the world. I've been to Kenya a lot, so I, I, a lot of times I loan to people in Kenya and Nigeria. Uh, and, and, and so when you loan them, you get to hear their story. So like, uh, here, I'm going to just give you, a, I loaned them a money to Margaret, and she was looking for, I think in U.S. dollars, it was, she was needing $300 to buy a cow. And she was going to buy a cow because she has a little dairy operation and she was going to add, add to her dairy operation. So what's really cool is after you make the loan, you get uh, information back from them. And it said this. It said, uh, Margaret thanks you for helping her improve her business. She added to her savings. She dreams now of owning her own home and having money to provide a quality education for her children. Isn't that fun? And when you get on that website, you can become a part of groups on that website. Like one of them is called uh, Kiva Christians. And it's Christians who band together to make loans uh, to people that are making a difference uh, throughout the world. So that's just a little, uh, a little tip. But uh, one thing that I just wanted to kind of close in sharing is something that we did that might have seemed silly a couple weeks ago where we went out to the, um, we went out to the corners and we gave out Coke and Diet Coke. You remember that? I didn't, I didn't make that up. I'd heard that other churches doing that. And uh, so we had done that. And just this week as I was uh, getting prepared for this message, I heard a story about another church who did the identical thing. They were giving out Cokes and Diet Cokes at Corners. And they were doing this uh, in, in Mississippi. And when they got to the end of their day, they came up to a... Uh, uh, to the man who was giving up the Cokes, uh, one, uh, there was a lady that came by and said, who's in charge of your outreach? And uh, the gentleman said, I'm in charge of the outreach. And she said, um, 
this, this giving Cokes and Diet Cokes out with, with no, no strings attached. She said, uh, I, I, have a, I have a ministry in Macomb, Mississippi, and uh, we go out on Friday nights and we preach at, at teenagers and, and we preach at them and then they run away from us. And, you know, we just preach at them and tell them they're going to hell, you know, like good, share the good news, right? And she said, we saw you guys giving Cokes and we thought we want to try something different. So the next Friday night, instead of preaching at people and telling them how wrong they were and doing all that, they just gave Cokes and Diet Cokes away. And there was a, there was a lady and her two daughters that, that received some Cokes that day. And the next Sunday morning, they showed up to church. And when they showed up to church, they, um, at the end of the message, the pastor asked if anyone wanted to give their life to Jesus. And the lady and her two daughters came forward and they gave their lives to Jesus on that morning. And then that was a church that had Sunday night services. And so they went home and they told their husband what had happened. And he came back that night. And at the end of the service, he said he hadn't been to church in 25 years. But at the end of the service, he came forward and he gave his life to Jesus, he said, because some church was so kind to give Coke and Diet Coke to my, to my wife and, and daughters. Unexpectedly, two weeks later, the man died suddenly, suddenly. Unexpectedly, and they, and they had his funeral, and in spite of the despair of his death, the wife and daughters were elated that they knew that they would spend eternity. And they walked up to the casket and they put a Coke and a Diet Coke on top of the casket and said, because you were generous enough to do that, we know that he's going to be in eternity with us. Just random acts of kindness doesn't have to be an organized thing doesn't have to be a uh, but I appreciate what you said Robert Robert led that and he said let's don't make this a once a year thing let's let compassion be part of the culture of our church and let's from time to time find ways that we as a church can continue to be doing it regularly and consistently and persevering and just it's not something that we do for a photo op but just make it part of the the culture of our church. Amen. Amen. We'll come back next week and you'll hear a great sermon by Robert. But uh, that's the word for today. And I'm going to invite us to close our eyes and pray. And There might be somebody here today that says, I want to make a fresh start. I want to make a fresh start. And in, in our church, we don't ask you to we don't ask you to stand up or even come forward, but I'm going to just ask you to pray a prayer with me. And if today you're in this place and you say, I just want to make a fresh start with God this morning, would you just raise your hand across this building and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to make a fresh start today. And I want to give, and I want to live the life that God rewards. I want to give him my life today. Is that you? Would you raise your hand in this house today? Thank you, God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity 
to be in your house and be in your presence today. Oh, Lord, your presence that we have felt here today has been so refreshing. And we just ask, Jesus, that you would you would just let generosity be part of the culture of this church. Help us to be consistent. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.